Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everyone. This is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Stan, Roe, Gamas, and Chino. And you're listening to the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast coming at you with a bonus episode in advance for PWR Special Homecoming. We are just hours away from the big show. You're probably listening to this on the way to the ABS-CBN Virtus 10, in which case I say thank you on behalf of PWR, the guys from the podcast, every talent, member of the roster, uh, production crew, staff were involved in the big show. Thank you so much. If for some reason you're on your way, but they decide if you want to come catch the show, all you have to do is go buy a ticket. Please buy a ticket. Uh, tickets are probably no longer on sale on TicketToMe.net, but you can get them at the gate. All right? So uh, tell them Stan sent you, and we're just so happy that you get to be part of such a huge event, uh, a land uh, landmark moment in Philippine wrestling history. TJP, Jeff Cobb, Billy Suede, all making their homecoming. Speed of Jeff Cobb, He's on this week's episode or this week's bonus episode of the podcast. We get to talking about a lot. He gives out the real score about Lucha Underground and how he made his way out of LU. He also talks about Ring of Honor and his deal over there. And we talk a little bit about everything else in between. So it's a very fun and chill conversation with Jeff Cobb. And none of this can happen without our friends from Podcast Network Asia, whose studios are located here at We Remote Coworking Philippines, and they always help us out generously with the show. You can check out their socials, facebook.com slash podcastnetwork.asia. On Twitter, it is at podcastnetasia. And on Instagram, it is at podcastnetworkasia. And you can visit the official website at www.podcastnetwork.asia. Asia. Special shout out, by the way, to the guys of the Halo Halo show. That's uh, JC and Rika. I, I got to meet Rika earlier at RX, and it was really cool getting to know a fellow radio DJ and a fellow podcaster. We're talking about uh, probably doing a crossover episode one of these days, and it's something you might want to stream. And if streaming is something you want to get into, then you can actually get into Kumu, which is a powerful live stream platform that prioritizes the voices of over 100 million Filipinos all around the world. And guess what? You can actually earn money through Kumu. All you got to do is turn on your camera, be yourself, and go live. Viewers can then send you animated gifts, which in turn can be converted into real cash. And it is that simple. For more information, check out kumu.ph or download the Kumu app available on the App Store and on Google Play. So it's going to be a full house in just a bit. I'm going to be joined by Ro, Camus, and Chino. And we got Jeff Cobb joining us right here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. We promise to do it big on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast and we deliver, we fulfill our promises. We had TJP yesterday and right now, fresh from the airport, fresh from his first radio guessing as part of today's Media Blitz, we've got Mr. Athletic, 
Jeff Cobb. What's going on, y'all? Hey, man. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, welcome back studio. to the podcast because uh, two years ago, you just Skyped in. Mm-hmm. But That's it wasn't true. in the new studio, right? It was yes, not. Yes, it, it was not at all. It was at Camus' house. Oh, That's okay. my house. And then we, we remoted that at like, what, 10 in the evening? Yeah, it was just we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you lived in Sacramento at the time. Yeah, time difference. I'm sorry, guys. No, no, no. no, 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 no. We're sorry yeah. for waking you up. No, don't oh. apologize for nature. Sure. It's just <laughs> natural order. You know, we're the two of us, we Skype, we Skype back to the Bay Area every now and then. So it's like, for us, it's like, ah, oh, no big deal. But then it's Jeff Cobb, guys. It's Jeff Cobb. Oh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh. yeah, nothing to be excited about. <laughs> no, so, no, that's not true. No, that's Je- not true at all. You know, Jeff has only been here for, what, less than 24 hours at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah? You, you flew in last night from Guam? Yeah. Uh, I was visiting, visiting my mother mm-hmm. uh, and my brother that live out there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I'm here. She's jealous that I'm here. Yeah, because oh. your mom's the one with the Cebuana roots. Yes. Uh, my grandmother and grandfather were born in Cebu. Um, I believe my older uncle was as well. And then they moved to Guam to uh, – my, my grandmother's a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So – they moved there. They they needed teachers in in Guam, and she got hired. And my mom was born there. And bada boom, bada bing, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a status update. Like, how's Manila been to you so far? Uh, so far, no complaints. Uh, well, let me to be fair. I just ate last night, and then uh, I forgot the name of the place already. It was a chicken. JT's. JT's yeah. Manukan. Yes. Yeah. He had the he had the painting of him and the oh, Last he's, Supper because he's an actor. Yeah. He's an actor director. So filmmaker filmmaker basically he does everything and then he, a couple of years ago he decided to go into the inasal business oh well good it's, job it's man good, chicken was good, good stuff it's yeah good, good job uh if he listens to this podcast thumbs up man yeah I, we've also got a, a certain vlogger slash champion in the booth who shall remain unnamed to the I people mean, who no, are we, listening okay. and we, we, not no, watching no, the no, video we, we will hide him he, under the he, under the code name bah. for yeah he shall remain in the shadows like yes. he once did so this guy uh, took Jeff Cobb to JT's Manukan, and he also gave him his first taste of San Miguel because uh, two years ago when we had you on the podcast, you wanted to get a, a, an entire case of San Miguel to wrestle in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, I think my, my thing's changed now. But no, I, I like San Miguel. <laughs> like I've, I've had San Miguel in Guam before, but it was like, so long ago. Because like, you know, when you move to, like, move to a new place or whatever, you kind of go... Like when I went, when I went to college, I was going to college in Missouri, so it was yeah. all pretty much. Uh, Missouri is like a Budweiser state, so I drank a lot of Budweiser, Bud Light, and all that. So yeah, kind of. You don't really see San Miguel in the Midwest. Yeah, um, I remember you were telling me earlier uh, at the radio station that um, you've been hearing the San Miguel commercials growing up. Yes, and the uh, memory recalls it very strong. Yeah, because like uh, when when I, I moved to I moved to Guam, and I think like ninety two or ninety three. And then my grandmother used to watch uh, the Filipino channel. Mm-hmm. That was always yes, like, Yeah, and then I would always, like, sometimes, you know, commercials would come on or whatever, and I'd be like, San Miguel, Iton beer. I'm like, oh, what the? <laughs> wow, I was that, like, oh, that's, that's cool. Pretty, that's, pretty, pretty good, that's pretty good, yeah. That's pretty close to the actual ad. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, so I remember just hearing that, and for some reason, like, whatever my grandmother taught me didn't really stick, but that commercial stuck in my head 20 years later or whatever, however long it's been. So, yeah. So, so the Tagalog or whatever uh, dialect from the Philippines is 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 um, very limited at this point. Yeah, well, especially um, like when I was living in Guam, it was it was pretty good because like my grandmother would, so I would listen to my grandmother. She would talk uh, Tagalog to my mom, but my mom would answer in English, so I would kind of pick up what what they were talking about because of 
what my mom would answer in English. So I was like, oh, maybe they're talking about that. There's enough context goes to go on. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of I kind of pieced here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so h- how does this all happen for you? Like, how do you end up wrestling on a PWR card? Because when we talked two years ago, we kind of just pitched it up in the. It was up in the air. Uh, you know, things were much different in your career. Things were much different for the local scene here. But how does this all come together? Um. Well, honestly, that would be upon PWR shoulders and and their great uh, growing of the community of professional wrestling out here. Uh, it was all like just keeping in contact and just and especially the fans of the Philippines as well. They would like tweet this, tweet that, and then they'd be like, you know, we need Jeff Cobb in in the Philippines. He's he's Filipino, and a lot of people were like, oh, he's Filipino. Like so, it kind of like because of that, and then it just kind of snowballed into where we are at today. Like, how often would you get tweets from uh, from Pinoy's on social media? Well, I don't know. Um, a few times a week, at least. I was gonna so. say we're we're partially responsible. for that. <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you guys. <laughs> like like in this room, it's like hey, Kuya Jeff, great match. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys. By the way, how, how about this? How did this happen? Like, um, you clear your schedule. You're, you're, there's so much going on in your career right now. But how did you end up clearing your schedule to come here to the Philippines for PWR? Uh, well, so this year, uh, 2019, uh, actually worked out really well because I signed with Ring of Honor. Yeah, um, yeah. So now that because I'm with Ring of Honor, I don't have to take or I'm not uh, at liberty to take independent dates in America. So because I'm exclusive to Ring of Honor. And because of that, uh, the reason I, I was just like, well, I have nothing going on in October. And um, instead of taking like bookings in England or Australia or something, when this kind of was pitched to me about coming for a, a big uh, a big show in the Philippines. I was like, dude, I'm all I'm all for it. So, and like like PWR would send me a couple of dates, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, whichever. Like, I can't do this one. I can do this one. I can do this one. And then when they put the date down, October 12th, um, I was like, well, I'm just gonna block off two two three weeks and not take any bookings, so just so I can come to the Philippines and make sure make this happen. And it was so funny because. Ring of Honor put a just inputted a date for October twelfth. Wow! (laughs) And so I had to. I was like, "Hey guys, listen. um, I got booked for this company like before you guys added this date. Um, Is it possible if I could just take off?" And and they were just like, "Well, I mean, it it sounds like it's really important to you because your heritage and whatnot. So we'll give you that day off. But if you just uh, be billed as Ring of Honor, and then if we could use the footage for." Um, like their online shows and whatnot. So I was like, heck yeah. I mean, it, it helps out Ring of Honor to get some eyes from from this part of the world and then it also helps PWR get some eyes on uh, Ring of Honor's uh, broadcast system, whatever they're streaming, I believe it's the Honor Club. So it, it just, I think it was like a win-win situation for both companies. So I, I'm very grateful for Ring of Honor for letting that was, me have That was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really awesome yeah. of them. Yeah, so I, I appreciate that. Shout out Ring of Honor. <laughs> ROH. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're huge fans of your work. I uh, really have l- loved watching. Like, I started watching you when you um, came out as Matanza in Lucha Underground. and Wait, al- Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> he cannot confirm nor deny. Cannot confirm nor deny. Kind of like uh, that other dude, El Generico. Oh, well, f- fuck that guy. He's dead. <laughs> He's dead in a ditch in Tijuana. We've confirmed that. So um, let, let's talk about Lucha Underground because um, season four ended last year mm-hmm. and um, there aren't really any rumblings anymore about a season five. So from your perspective, uh, what's the situation right now? 
professionally, um, I don't think they're coming back. Uh, personally, I think they're dead. They're done. Oh, yeah. Just that's the last um, we've seen of it. Oof. Yeah. Just I mean, I mean, I'm not. Again, I'm not trying to talk ill of the dead, but uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like it was such a great place to work for while we could work for. There's just so many like so many things like. Our writers were writers that were working in WWE, like Krista Joseph. He was the head writer, and he had some great storylines and great, like, just everything on Lucha Underground was great. Like, from top to bottom, the vignettes, the matches, everything. And the it continuity of all yeah. of that, yeah. And it was, like, a, it was like literally like a TV show because, like you said, the, uh, the continuity, it was, it was bam, bam, bam. And then they'd break for the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then they'd come back to it in the, in the next season – that's still related to what happened on the prior season. And you had like seven seasons planned, yeah? Yeah, well, originally, well, I was one of the weirdos that signed for the seven-year the seven <laughs> contract. Okay, uh, let's get into that later. Yeah, okay, later, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I loved working there because it was, it, was, it was like a TV show, and I was like, well, I, I mean, why, why wouldn't I want to transition to that so I don't have to get beat up every weekend? Mm-hmm. So, like, I loved working in that aspect, but, like, the only thing was, like, it was a weird contrast because it was, it was a wrestling show, it was it was wrestling for a TV show, but they didn't know what really they. I don't think they really know what they because, like, our wrestling producers and and bookers and all that would always like they're like, hey, we're trying to do this, but uh, but the TV doesn't want to do this, and like, so it's just like a weird, like they didn't like the the that side didn't understand the wrestling aspect of it. I think. So, and it just kind of just. So would you say it's more like it was a TV show that had wrestling? Yeah, as an de- definitely, definitely. Okay. Um, as opposed to like what we're used to, like it's it's wrestling, and then the TV drama just finds its way. No, yeah, it was definitely a TV show that had wrestling on it because like we do like the backstage vignettes, and there would be like um, uh, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember his name right now for some reason. Like he owned El Rey. Is it Robert Rodriguez? Yeah, Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez. Like his his yeah. his top uh, producer would always like. He would produce the vignettes, and there was he was so good at it, and it was so like, but it was like he'd film like, like Spy Kids and like uh, all of Robert Rodriguez's movies. Like he was the director on, and he was doing our backstage vignettes, and it was great. Like wow. it was cool. Um, shout out to Skip, you the man. <laughs> but like he, but then it was definitely, it was definitely a TV setting, and then wrestling was just coming along for the ride. Yeah. So with the, with the. Um creative process behind Lucha Underground um, is the TV recording the one that goes first or how does that actually work do you start with the with a vignette and go to a match do you plan the match first uh, so we would film like a so normally we would do like a like a two day like back to back kind of thing like if, it, if it's like a Saturday Sunday we would do we would film two or three episodes um, per day and then we would do the vignettes like during the week so like if like they would try to schedule like so it's not like you fly home and then fly back for a vignette fly home and fly back again the following weekend, so they would try to do like if you came in for the two shows Saturday Sunday they'd try to f- schedule a vignette for you like on on Monday or Friday so you're not just going crazy at airports and whatnot. So that's it. Yeah. So you you so basically it's like you're working you're working for them for a week and then after that week it's like yep do whatever you yeah, want do whatever you want <laughs> yeah for the most part. So let's rewind all the way back to the beginning. How was this idea pitched to you? Because I know a lot of the wrestlers on Lucha Underground don't necessarily play themselves. So how did they 
talk to you and say, hey, we want you to play um, Dario Cueto's brother. We want you to play this monster. So that's a, that's a f- interesting story. Um, I So originally, I came in. Uh, it's Conan. I did a tryout with Conan and AAA. Uh, and Conan liked me, but I didn't win that contest or whatever to go to AAA. So he, I just kept in contact with him, and he gave me he gave my number to uh, Krista Joseph, and he ended up calling me, and then this is and we had it happened. Um, so when they brought me in originally, they were I believe they were going to do something along the lines of like me being like a updated version of Taz, ooh, so suplex machine. Yeah, so I was go, I yeah. was going that route. Um, the Matanza storyline character was from what I was told, was originally supposed to go to Hernandez. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Um, but Hernandez, uh, from again, this is all from what I've heard. Yeah. And, Allegedly. Uh, yeah. And Hernandez <laughs> didn't want to wait to debut because mm-hmm. um, I believe he debuted like in season two. Yeah. And then Hernandez didn't want to wait that long because obviously you're not making money if you're not on TV. I mean, you're making money because you can do dark matches, but you're limited to how many dark matches you can do because you're only doing one per day. Yeah, and Whereas, then the exposure. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. So he was he wanted to get um, on TV as soon as possible. Mm. So that he ended up just being Hernandez on TV. Yep. Um, so they were like, oh, man, what are we going to do? And then they ended up pitching it, uh, pitching me to be in that spot. And then, yeah, they kind of just went with it. And they said, hey, we're going to put you under a mask. And I was like, oh, crap. I never, <laughs> never wrestled in a mask before. So what was that like, wrestling in a mask? Uh, it was it was pretty rough because uh, my peripherals were gone. I couldn't see the sides of me. Um, if you, I mean, I, it's hard to describe the, the mask itself. But, like, if you see pictures of the mask where my face is, yeah. there's no breathing. Yeah, I yeah, can't breathe isn't. in that thing. <laughs> so that sucker, and plus it was in L.A., summertime. Wow. In a warehouse. In a warehouse. Old, old ass warehouse. Plus, with all the lights beaming down, you, I was like, "Oh man, I was dying over there." And no ventilation. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, and man. you were in a bodysuit. Yeah, yeah, I was wearing like a, a mechanic's uniform or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then you know, like wearing that mask is like it's it was a nice quality mask. It was like leather, and then for the most part, like all the brown was leather. So that kind of made it weird, where it's like. Whoever I wrestled, they thought they could punch me so much harder. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no, that does not provide any cushion. It, it just hurts even more. All right. So you mentioned that you signed uh, with Lucha Underground for seven seasons. And obviously that didn't happen all the way. So what's the real score there, if you can share that with us? Um, so it's weird because um, they would always, like, they would tell us, uh, well, we're coming back in, like, we're coming back in so and so. Like we're coming back in December, right? Like, well, my main thing was between season, th- uh, season three and season four. They're like, hey, don't take any bookings in December, and then we, f- I believe, we finished in like June or July, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, well, don't take any bookings in December because we're we're gonna come back and start filming. If not, we're gonna start doing some tours. I was like, all right, cool. Um, so I was waiting around, waiting around, and then, um, you know. As an independent wrestler, you want to try to fill your bookings, but obviously I can't take any bookings. They said we're going to come back in December, so I'm like, all yeah. right, cool. Um, I want to say it's like somewhere in November. They're like, hey, uh, we're not coming back in December. Uh, January will be the start date. And I'm like, well, crap, man, I'm losing out on money. I can't, like, I can't just be like, hey, I'm, I'm free now, and then they already booked December, and then I'm like, well, we can't justify paying you X amount. On, a, on two weeks notice so can you come in for cheaper so now I'm losing money um, but then January came like towards January like I pretty much lost like two weeks or two or three weeks worth of bookings just because I didn't want to take a pay cut and 
Yeah, so I just didn't want to do that. Um, so pretty much we had, between season three and season four, we had 20 months with no filming. Yeah. And that was, like, so long because we'd all, like we'd randomly hear, like, hey, we're coming back, and then be ready, and then we won't hear from them, and then we'd hear from them again. And so it was just, it was like a weird, it was just a weird dynamic, and it was making me very upset because, I mean... That's you, a lot you, of time. Yeah, yeah that's is. a lot of time for an independent wrestler. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, like we can make we can make money on indies, but you make more money on TV mm-hmm. just because it's this different platform. Yeah. So now, like, okay, well, now we, we can't work. Um, like you know, like like our stock rises because we're on TV and it's in a nice show. So like you know, all these like everybody's getting all these uh, calls from other companies or whatever, like WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, or whatever. Um, and then, but then we're like, okay, well, Impact wants to use me. Can I go there? Oh no, you can't. So all right, cool. Then fast forward, like Vampiro email, like a mass email. It's like, hey, you know, uh, we're gonna start working with Impact. So if you guys wanna, if you wanna start working for Impact, we can, you can, you guys can do that. So all right, cool, because I have a connection there. So I messaged. Uh, I mean, I don't want to put him on the bus, so I won't say his name or who it was. Sure, uh, he'll but, remain anonymous. Yes, uh, but he, he, I reached out to him and he reached out to me and he's like, well. Make sure you can do that because from what I'm hearing, you can't do that. And I was like, well, I just got an email. So I emailed Vampiro back and I was like, hey, man, what's going on? Um, and he's like, oh, well, I don't know what's going on. I don't really know what's going on. Like, not many people can, like, nobody can really do that. I was like, but you just send an email. And then literally, like, maybe, I don't know, a month or two later, like, like Johnny Mundo and Taya, and yeah, they yeah. started showing up on Impact. I was like, okay, well, what's, what's going, going on with that? Yeah. You know, that's like, you can't. You can't have special circuit, and I'm not blaming Mundo or Taya because I they're like good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. But so like those kind of things, I was like, you know, you can't tell some people they can work there and other people you can't. You know, that's not that's not fair, really. Right. So and there's just it's just stuff like that just kept piling up over and over. And I was like, you know, I'm tired of waiting. So I would email the office and I'm like, hey man, uh, is there a way? I, like I'm gonna, cause I I think there was like a clause in there like if we didn't work for X amount of time, then we can. Legally, we can get out of our contract. Ooh, that's that's what it was. Is that how Ricochet got out? Uh, no, he only signed for three years, I believe. Oh, okay. 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 Uh-huh. He's yeah. a smart one. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when originally when I and I emailed, I never got a reply. Yeah. And I was sitting around, I was like, man, you guys are gonna like ghost me, like, you know, whatever. So eventually, I I uh, hooked up with uh, like a lawyer company that that didn't like a uh, a certain company at the time. I won't, I won't say because they're. Yeah. So anyway, all right. All right. So <laughs> they uh, they sent me uh, a drafted email or a drafted letter um, saying that I'm terminating my contract, mm-hmm. and they told me what I should do is make copies to or make five copies and send it to these five people and overnight it so it gets there all at the same time. Yeah. So I emailed. I did that. I sent it out. Then I got a phone call like two days later. Nice. Like, oh, okay. So now you can return my call. <laughs> After months of yeah. stonewalling. So it'd be like, hey, Jeff, what's going on? Uh, what's what's hey, new with you? Oh. So, yeah. So then it just turned into that. And then they're like, well, what do you want? I was like, well, I haven't worked for, I think it was like maybe 16 months at, at, at that point. I was like, I haven't worked, we haven't worked in 16 months, man. Like, I'm like I'm not getting any younger. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I mean, I'm not saying I'm getting offers, for, but I could if they people knew I was free or whatever. Yeah. So eventually, eventually what it broke down to was like, hey, listen, and this is what I was told, was I would get released if I came back and filmed an ending for my character in season four. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it as, okay, well, I can get paid, I can still work, and then I won't have to do a lawsuit. And right. 
Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So yeah. that's how the end of Matanza came yeah. to be. There you go. Yeah, sort of similar. <laughs> and then there's the whole part with the heart ripping out. Yeah. <laughs> there, was that. there was that. Yeah. Well, there was. I mean, there was that, and then plus two. Like after, then I ended. Then when they told me I was released, and then I ended up signing with Ring of Honor, and then like I think it was like May of this year, they're like, hey, uh, they sent a cease and desist. Uh, what? To Ring of Honor. What? <laughs> Why? How uh, can they cease and desist if yeah, you're not really Matanza? So, but they yeah. sent a cease and desist because they're using me because they were stating that I was a contracted wrestler, a contracted employee to Lucha Underground. Okay. okay. And I was like, wait a minute, hold on. So that's fishy. Yeah. So Ring of Honor was like, hey man, like, do you need help with this? Because they like, I mean, Ring of Honor has uh, is backed by Sinclair, Sinclair Broadcasting, yeah. and they have yep. They have more money than the WWE, so uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but then there was like, well, I don't know now with that billion dollar. Fox no, but, thing, but but Sinclair diversified. Yeah, they yeah. have a shit ton of money. Yeah, so they you know they were willing to help me out, but I was like, I you know this is my mess. Let me try to deal with this. So I ended up contacting a uh, a um, entertainment lawyer and who was like, this contract is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he ended up drawing the paperwork. I ended up getting released in like three days. Nice. Uh, when the lawyer took over and and finished that for me, so no, yeah. So as of like May tenth or something like, or May fifteenth, like no more BS, no more nothing. So, well, that's a relief to hear, especially since uh, you mentioned how uh, upset it made you, um, given that it put you in a holding pattern that really just didn't work in your favor. Yeah, and sorry for that long story. No, 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 no good. It's all good. Also, this is this is stuff. This is stuff that people want. Yeah, yeah, yeah this whole know this. yeah, this whole ordeal sounds a lot more violent than the whole heart tripping. Now I feel yeah. bad for wearing the Lucha Underground shirt. <laughs> oh no, no, it's cool. Like I still have some random Lucha Underground stuff. In my, I have like. No I mean, if you don't want them, you can send them our way. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. sure I the boys would, that shirt. Yeah, yeah, the boys would appreciate some swag. I know I would. Uh, but um, here's something I want to know from the perspective of uh, an independent wrestler in the U.S. Um, you guys technically are still independent contractors regardless of where you work. Right. And um, h- how does that work on the business side? Like, do you have to fi- file taxes individually? Do you have to issue receipts on your own? Because yeah. here in the Philippines, there's a very strange setup for freelancers. So I'm curious if that's the case in the U.S. Yeah, so uh, how we do it or well, how I was advised to do it is um, you can pay quarterly. Um, as opposed to the one time annual yeah. yeah so it, it's all I mean it comes out to the same thing honestly but then but then I like for me I can't do the quarterly because I forget okay <laughs> so I'm gonna forget to pay anyways so I'd rather just do it at the end like so you know you always see it on TV oh tax season on the corner or whatever so that will remind me yeah, so yeah. I'd rather just do the so what I do is like I like especially for this past year uh, because I'm on salary ring of honor mm-hmm. I'm just taking 30% and putting that on the side right just to be safe yeah. Um, and then at the end of the year, I'll pay whatever it is. But then I'll also use a lot of deductions. Um, so like for the travels and yeah. food and yeah. whatnot and gear and whatnot. So, but yeah, so I, I'll, I'll just put 30% on the side and then play with that from, from there. That's so that's stuff that's you cool. have to do on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, cause it, it's kind of a similar setup for the freelancers here. So yeah, uh, that, that really answers the question. Um, Let's switch gears here and talk about your Filipino heritage. Yes, enough tax talk. <laughs> okay, Chino. Does uh, your math brain hurt? 
Go, yes. go, go, go. Okay, okay. So let, let's talk about you uh, being a Pinoy pro wrestler in the U.S. Um, I know we asked you this two years ago if you ever thought of um, representing the Philippines the way TJ Perkins would, like how he'd have uh, the flag and the colors on, on his gear and all. Uh, but in the time since uh, we last talked, has that thought crossed your mind, like representing the Philippines in your character, in your gear? So with that, um, I wear a lot of black because it's slimming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the Filipino flag is there's not there's really no black black. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, anytime anybody ever asks me, like I'm always like, I don't I don't hesitate to mention like Filipino heritage or my background or whatnot. So, like uh, you know, like the one thing like I hope people don't look at it as I'm just shying away from it. But it's just it's not so much the shy away. It's just like of who I am as a character. Like my character is, I'm a suplex guy, so I have my our suplex sponsored stuff yep. on, on singlet and just keep that very basic and simple so um yeah but i don't i'm not ashamed or anything about my heritage i i'm take pride in being filipino um you know unfortunately i was never, not born here but i still take pride in it no matter where i go I think the Kuya Jeff moniker is beginning to stick yeah. as well with the local community. <laughs> like, you know, uh, everybody's been calling you guys Kuya TJ, Kuya Jeff, and all that. You'll probably hear that a lot come tomorrow. Oh, I'm pretty works, sure. Man. Whatever. But uh, have you, uh, how long has it been for you to, like, uh, t- to have that idea? Like, did you ever want to wrestle in the Philippines or did that seed ever get planted? Actually, yeah. So I really, like, I was like, man, like, there's been, you know, there's been, like, some people, like, or a lot of famous people from the Philippines that are doing big things, not just in the wrestling aspect, but, I mean, obviously, like, Batista and stuff. Yeah, so entertainment like, side. Yeah, yeah enter- entertainment side. Yeah. So I was like, man, like, I wish there was wrestling there, because, like, like, I didn't really see too much about wrestling. Like, like, I don't know how to see wrestling this far away from where I was, where I was at. Yeah. So to be able to see it now is, like, it, it puts a smile on my face that there's, there's, quality wrestling in the Philippines now so I'm, I'm happy about that like I would I would have loved to help out in planning more but you know what you guys got it's in capable hands over here so mm-hmm. like thank you the only thing I can thank do you. is just like try to try to bring more eyes to this area and then hopefully the people here mm-hmm. can see my work as well before homecoming was there anybody from the PWR roster that was on your radar oh I wouldn't mind I, I don't mind wrestling anybody and man woman child you know, whatever it <laughs> is child. <laughs> Maybe not child. <laughs> I was like, well, Kenny Omega got into trouble with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but like, was there anybody um, who you followed on Instagram or somebody who, like, if PWR, PWR were to post about them, be like, oh yeah, this guy or this girl? Well, see, like PWR, they like I feel like they put on quality, like they they do quality things, like with quality content. wrestling, quali- what was it content? Yeah, they put co- uh, quality content on there. So, like, they whenever they post something, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then like they're like, okay, maybe I wrestle him. And then, then the next one, like, oh, maybe I wrestle him too. Like, so it's it, me personally. You put me in the ring with anybody, and I would do my damnedest to have the best match ever. And then you know, I thank PWR for putting me in, in a three way with two great guys. That I'm not going to plug them because it's my time. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is here anyway. Uh, well, allegedly, allegedly, yeah. Yeah. allegedly. One of them allegedly drove oh, you sorry. around. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> No, but yes, I mean, I'm excited to wrestle anybody and anywhere and then, you know, try to help best I can in whatever you guys need. So. Okay, so you did mention you wrestle anyone, anywhere and make the best out of it. You just came off of one of, like, the most amazing G1s. Hey. Ever. Oh. I, I, I have to say this, like, as a longtime viewer of the G1, I have not been so entertained as I was this year. 
and you were like a big part of it. Wow. How do you feel coming off of like? Because uh, I, I like to think that this one was historic. This one was like in terms of quality. This is gonna be one that we talk about for a while. How do you feel coming off of like such a? Not just the grind, but facing the diverse opponents that you did. I, well, I think like for like the G one in general, it was it was an amazing experience. Like definitely top three of my career. I, just being a part of the G one, like everybody in the G one, everybody in New Japan is just top quality wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, the diversity of it. We're like one night I'm wrestling Ishii, the next night I'm wrestling a Yano. Hey. Next day I'm wrestling Moxley, so it's like <laughs> like I'm getting all the like brawlers, technicals, uh, comedy, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. So like it's it's great. Like I I love that aspect because it it kept me it kept it like rejuvenated my my love. Like it, I don't want to say I was getting like stuck in a, like the, the stuck grinding. in a rut, yeah. yeah. But like then now I have to like think of different styles and different body types and all that in a span because like in New Japan like. They try to save their singles matches to make it mean something. That's yeah. why there's a lot of multi-man matches. Right, right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I love that style because now, like, you're not killing yourself every night. Yeah. And you're not giving the fans Naito versus Okada 30 times a year. Mm-hmm. So when they do announce, oh, Naito's wrestling Okada. It's, it's a, a big, big deal. thing. Yeah, yeah it's so, a big deal. You know, and I'm not I'm not shitting on other companies or, like, like I'm not shitting on WWE at all. But, like, man, I, I miss those days where it's, like, like when I was a kid, when Hogan wrestled Warrior, WrestleMania Ooh, the first six, time, yeah. yeah, yeah, I was, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm missing that pay per view. Mm-hmm. Like if that era was now, we'd probably see Hogan and Warrior like maybe eight times a year or something. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I miss those matches, those marquee matches. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not there to see their business model and game plan, but I'm assuming it's because of their own like. You know the USA Network and Fox, where they have to give those kind of things, and they gotta get. And I get it. I get it. I get it. Do your thing. That's cool because they've been around forever, and they're they're the number one. Yeah. So they obviously they're doing something that's right. So we've talked about you being in Lucha Underground. We've talked about you being in New Japan, and even now in ROH. Um, Stylistically, how has the how has the adjustment been between these three companies? Because storytelling wise, the wrestling is um, very different. Right, so how have you adjusted? How's how's that been going? Um, well, I'm happy. I think uh, I'm a quick learner, so <laughs> I, I picked up the styles. Uh, like, like, but I mean, I'm not gonna say I perfected the style because, like, you never you never perfect anything in professional wrestling. Like, I'm always learning. Like, the, on the G1 on that G1 tour, I was learning so much from uh, Kota Ibushi and and Tanahashi. Like, they they've taught me still to this day. Like you know the japanese style and all that like there there are different styles and like there's a lucha libre style a japanese style an english style um australia has their own version like i'm i'm excited to see um like the i guess the philippines would be considered like southeast asia mm-hmm. yeah. like that kind of style like i'm i'm excited to see it in person and then because like every every region has their style and like you know it's good to know different things instead of just Oh no! It has to be this way. Like you know, there's where you're at. You kind of have to cater to where you perform. So, um, in regard to the B block, uh, where you competed in, in the G1, was there a particular opponent you were so excited to be in the ring with, or uh, after it happened, this was your favorite opponent from yeah. the B block? Oh, um, so man, a bunch of killers on that block. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be fair because like everybody in the B block was 
badass. That's a murderer's row. That's yeah. a freaking I mean, murderer's row. Like, for, okay, obviously I'm going to like, oh, man, I want to wrestle Tanahashi. So I was like, oh, I was hoping to be an A block or <laughs> wrestle Okada. But then at the same time, you look at the B block and you have guys like a former IWGP champion and like Naito and Jay White. And then you have amazing wrestler, amazing talents like Ishii and, and Yano and, and Moxley coming fresh off his WWE run coming yeah. over to New Japan and Juice Robinson and, and Taichi and Goto and like like I can't just but like I, I really enjoyed my match with Naito mm-hmm. just because um, I mean so when whenever like I when I'm in Japan I try to get other stuff not just wrestling stuff so whenever I'm selling my merch I try to talk to the merch guys yeah and I always ask them like what is their what's your number one seller and it's always LIJ. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Like, the, the, for the past, the past five years. Yeah, Naito is so, like, he's so good. I mean, he's crazy because he gets killed in every match. Yep. <laughs> but, like, like for me, like, a guy at that level who's main event in the Tokyo Dome mm-hmm. and just worldly popular, for me to wrestle him and being like, oh, man, I get to wrestle Naito. Like, I was, I was nervous going in. Because, you know, a guy at that level, you don't have to, like, he doesn't have to give me anything, really. Right. But he was so, like, you know, trying to, like, oh, maybe you do this to me. And then I was like, oh, man, that's cool. Like, like having this dude say that, I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. So, uh, yeah, so, like, Naito was really cool, man. And then also, like, wrestling, like, uh, like Shingo. Shingo. Oh, yeah. Shingo. He's so that, good, that, that That match. That match. So Jesus. good. The beef. Yeah, and then like, <laughs> yeah, so like the Shingo and the Ishii match were kind of same. We're just beating the dog piss out of each other. It was awesome. <laughs> I felt it the next couple of days. You mentioned Shingo. He was also in Bola, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. So that's Ooh. the first time I met him. Was it when we were in Bola? We met in the finals. But we're gonna talk PWG. Yeah, yeah we're gonna talk PWG. Yeah, talk PWG. it was awesome, man. Yeah, Shingo's Shingo's the man. No, let's get into it. Um, because PWG, um, it's it's of course it's not uh on on the same level of mainstream. Uh, and I'm gonna use this with air quotes as say New Japan or uh probably Lucha Underground to those uh of our listeners who do follow those two uh promotions as well. But um, how meaningful was it for you to be in Bola and then to make it all the way? and win so with PWG like when people ask me about my career people always say oh it's Lucha Underground I was like no because I st- to this day I still get people asking me or like so that's you right you were Matanza so, <laughs> allegedly <laughs> so cannot confirm like I definitely owe my career to PWG mm-hmm. because everybody watches PWG and that's how I think because I did PWG I ended up starting a book in England mm-hmm. in the UK um, uh, Ring of Honor saw me through that Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's all be, like I like PWG uh, lit like I mean if Lucha Underground lit a fire in my career like PWG threw some damn gas on that sucker mm-hmm. so like I definitely owe PWG and I love working there like it's I mean mm-hmm. you look at that roster from every year from when it started and there's names by names by names like like Cody when he got off his WWE run he's like I want to do Bola yeah, yeah. Like, I, I was on work the PWG. list it was on his boom list. and he was there. So you got guys like that. Like when I my first my first PWG match, like um, uh, Alberto Rio and Paige came by because they were in town and they wanted to watch it. So they came to the backstage and watched it from there. Um, every bowl of Rico's there watching. So I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Like this is the place to be. Like PWG uh, is the place to be. And then to be able to win Bola was was amazing because it's a list of who's who on that on that uh, on that wins list. And yeah, I, and I get to be in there. 
So just a bit more on just to touch a bit more on BWG. Um, right now, considering that you're with ROH, will they let you do BWG or BOLA again in like say a couple of years? Or yeah. So um, I believe Ring of Honor has that weird claw. That East know, Coast it, West Coast claw. No, yeah. well, it's more like a it's more like a unwritten handshake agreement to mm. that. If you're in Ring of Honor, you're allowed to work BWG. Yeah, and I think I don't. I mean, I don't know. I could be mistaken on this, but this, I, I was told that it's, it was called the Young Bucks rule. Yeah, because uh, okay. of them. Yeah, because of them. So, like, now, like, if you look at it, it's, like, heavily Ring of Honor influence. But now, I mean, now not so much because everybody's getting signed up and, yeah. and whatnot. And everybody, so, like, uh, I mean, PWG is good because they're, like, even even prior, they lost Steen and Generico and all that. Yep. So they had to refresh their – so they would find new talent coming up, and then they would bring them in. So that's what we, the PWG ended up doing was they un- brought in guys like Jungle Boy and a guy, a guy named Jake Atlas, and they're they're oh, just tearing it up now. So, like, they're bringing in they're, – they're, there's always going to be new people to step up and take a spot. Mm-hmm. So, um, You know, PWG uh, got a different level of notoriety, I think, over the last couple of years, especially that one time when Sofia Vergara and Joe Manganiello were at the show. <laughs> mm. Were you booked on that show? Uh, no, I, that, I believe that was uh, – they did a double shot, and I didn't know it was a double shot. I was I thought it was only a single night, so I took a booking on the second night, and she was there the second night. Oh. But there's been a lot of people like uh, like throughout the my whole PWG uh, run there, whether it be at the old Reseda building or the new the Globe Theater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's been like uh, so many people like I don't like like I'm I know the band Tool, but like Ooh, my fiance damn. loves Tool. Um, the lead guitarist is always there. He's mm-hmm. always got tickets. And I was like, one year, Ron Jeremy was there. <laughs> wow. And, nice. and he felt he, he was awake during the pre-show when we're selling. Because, like, uh, you, you've seen the, the videos, right? Where yeah, you, where he falls you have, to, you have yeah. to put the T-shirts on the ring. You sell them on the ring. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and Ron Jeremy's, oh, shit, Ron Jeremy's over there sitting next to Dave Meltzer. <laughs> was, oh, oh, damn. What a tag team. Yeah, he's enjoying <laughs> it. Top. He's enjoying it, whatever, whatever. Then we go back, and then, you know, the show starts or whatever, and people come back like, fucking Ron. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, 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 it's, it's okay. It's fine. Right, okay. got like, the explicit rating. Some guys were coming back like, fucking Ron Jeremy's sleeping. Yeah. He's sleeping <laughs> during the matches. I'm like, how does this dude sleep during the match? Like, apparently, yeah, apparently, apparently he, he has narcolepsy. Oh, for real? Yeah. So, I thought it was just because he was old. <laughs> no, no, I got So, well, yeah, so, like, I'm Ron, uh, I got tickets for uh, Ronda Rousey one time. Uh-huh. Uh, one time, me and Matt Riddle teamed up, and we were wrestling. And then we look on on the stage, and this is the old Reseda building. Yeah, yeah. And um, oh geez, James Franco was sitting up there. Hey, wow. And we were like, oh shit. That's like, James Franco. He likes Matt Riddle. Get these close. Nice. Now, whether James Franco was inebriated, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's legal in California, yeah. so. But it was cool to see him up there, like going crazy for our match, because like you know, like I love. Like the whole that was my first weird run was like I was doing a couple of singles and all of a sudden they put me with Riddle and and you were both suplex guys already yeah at the time. yeah man I miss that guy I miss him who's the most high profile celebrity you've seen at a PWG show um let's see because right now we're pegged at James Franco yeah, can yeah, we that, go beyond a, James Franco that's I mean, top Ron, tier Ron Jeremy's well, above Ronda Rousey no Ronda Rousey Ronda Rousey Oh man, there's there's been a few I can't even think of. Uh, 
Because it's become met, a legit Hollywood uh, destination. Yeah, at this like point. Um, the the this last bola I met uh, Matilda. Yo, oh, yo, 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 yeah. Mara oh, Wilson. What's her name? Mara yeah, yes, Mara, Mara, Mara Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So she came to the show and I saw that photo. I saw yeah. that photo. It was and then stuff. now she follows me on Twitter. Because <laughs> hey! we're cool like that. We're cool like that. <laughs> Shout out to Mara Wilson. I mean, you've yeah. got that uh, verified blue check mark. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it was cool to meet her because like, well, it was weird because like when I was growing up, like I have the uh, younger brother, you know, because they're like ten. 10 and 11 years younger than me mm-hmm. okay. and like you know them growing up they you know babysit or whatever and and we watched matilda and i was like oh man so we ended up buying the vhs and, <laughs> I and thought you ended flash- up buying the cake yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i can eat that giant chocolate cake but yeah it's, it's so cool man like just like like i mean you know in, in this field like you meet a lot of cool people and then, but then you know i, I still cool i still like oh dude you're matilda that's so awesome and, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care, man. Like, I'm still a fan of everything, man. That's cool. Uh, switching gears now, I want to ask about uh, before you signed with Ring of Honor, did uh, did you ever uh, get into contact with WWE? Like, th- was there ever talks about you having a tryout or them uh, having a look at you? Yeah. So in 2013, I moved from Hawaii to uh, Sacramento, California, mm-hmm. yeah. to uh, pursue my wrestling career. Or to try to get more more work and more more notoriety, um, and then I did a I did a tryout with them in Florida in 2014. So the PC was already up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I did that. Uh, it was funny because Lucha Underground called me, or they confirmed my tryout, and then a couple of days later, uh, Krista Joseph called me mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, we want to sign you to Lucha Underground." And but I told him the situation. I was like, "Hey, man, I had this trial coming up," and he said, "And this is what I, I really like, Krista Joseph, because he, although he has this new company coming up and he's trying to sign people, he said, listen, I work there. If you get signed, do it. And yeah. you want to sign with them, go. Mm-hmm. Um, but if something comes out where it doesn't work out, please call me back.' And I'm thinking, man, this dude just just blew me off. Mm-hmm. So I did the tryout. Um, they pulled." I believe eight or nine of us aside and did like a full body pictures and like pro like essentially promo pictures. Mm-hmm. And then they, they pulled us aside and did interviews. I was like, Oh man, they're going to sign us. They ended up signing six of the nine and mm-hmm. I wasn't one of them. Oh yeah. Um, but they, uh, so he was like, well, uh, Candy Seaman was like, uh, well, you know, we don't really have anything for you right now. And this at, at the time they were only doing like one of each of whatever. Yeah. Like, so, okay, well, um, like my background, I was born and raised in Hawaii. So, oh, well, we, are, we already have a Hawaiian guy. All right, cool. Um, oh, you're an Olympian. Ah, oh, but we already have an Olympian. This is when uh, Chad Gable Chad, yeah, was Chad Gable. still in developmental. Mm-hmm. Uh, right right before on. they started yeah. the American Alpha team. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, man. So they, ah, oh, sorry, but, you know, we don't have anything for right now. But we do have this TV show coming back called Tough Enough. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Tough Enough. He's like, well, would you be interested? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, no offense to the people that, like, I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying anything bad about the people who do Tough Enough. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You know, do your thing. But for me personally, like, like I'm not one of those guys that's going to be on, like, the real world and, and try to pretend to be somebody I'm not, like. You I'm not going to be. You don't do reality TV. No, like that's stupid. I think it's stupid, <laughs> especially for a pro wrestling thing. Like, I don't like nobody's like. If you look back on the history of Tough Enough, I don't like. There's been what ten, twelve, or whatever of them. Like, you don't remember any of the winners, really. Like Maven, yeah. he's not in the like. No, like I'm not. Yeah, he's not in the business. Anymore. I'm not shitting on Maven, but I'm saying like, 
you know, nobody's really like The Miz, maybe John Morrison, Velveteen Dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. that's it. That's it. That's the top three. Yeah, and, th- and those are even, top three. They yeah. didn't even win. Yeah, none of them won. So they didn't it was have like, to win, right? <laughs> you know, like for me personally, I know, like um, this, like case in point was the one that I almost ended up getting on because I applied for was the one that uh, Matt Cross was on. Mm. Twenty eleven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, the one with Stone Cold and whatnot. Yes. So, yeah. I applied for that and I, I got to like one interview before getting on it. Uh huh. And like they, like, I think Matt Cross was the first one gone. And I was, like, I was like, dude, what? Like, you're probably like, again, no offense to the other guys, but like, you're probably the most talented guy on that roster or in that group. Yeah. Is like, yeah, well, like, you know, they're not looking for the most talented. They're looking for the most entertaining or whatever. Like, the most sports. Like, I'm not a character. They need personalities. Yeah. 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 So I was like, man, that's messed up. So, Do you I mean, remember who the others were from that batch? Because you mentioned there were nine of you and six of them got signed. Yeah. Do you remember um, who the six were? Uh, Montez Ford. Okay, he Yo. was he was yeah. my roommate. Okay. Oh wow! Uh, so I have a video. I don't know where it is. It's I think it's on my other phone. It's the one where um, it's the one where uh, I was uh, like we were roommates and he was sleeping and I he was snoring so loud and I was like I just looked like I put the video on him. I just yelled and he went, he got he woke up. So Montez Ford was in mine. Uh, no way, Jose. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, the referee Tom Caster, who was also from the Bay Area, uh, like myself, yeah, um, and then uh, Rich Swan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yo, uh, yo. and then there was two other guys, but I don't think they ever made it to TV. I uh, forgot who they were. Interesting. All right. Interesting. All right. Um, uh, you you mentioned your Olympic background, and uh, when I met you earlier at Wave, you talked about how you started in the eighty-four kilogram category. So, uh, oh yeah, we've seen those photos. Yeah, yeah you convert that into pounds as well. Uh, uh, one seventy, one eighty, one eighty-four point six. Oh, there, one eighty-four point six. Um, we asked the same question to TJ uh, yesterday because we Pinoy is genetically uh, we're, not we're not exactly the suited. Tallest, yeah, yeah, the we're not biggest. the tallest, not the biggest. That's why we're not exactly suited for basketball. Most definitely not exactly suited to be a, like a super heavyweight wrestler. So, um, if I'm an aspiring pro wrestler and I don't have the same body type as a Triple H or as a Hulk Hogan. What's the best advice to um, become somewhat like a Jeff Cobb? So I think for me, because um, my dad's side is uh, Irish, Irish American. Okay. So they're naturally pretty big. Like my dad, my dad was like six one, mm-hmm. um, and then my grandfather was like six three, six four. Okay. Obviously, I didn't, I got my mom's Filipino height. So <laughs> it's a pride. But I think I got the the size from from my father's right. side. Okay. So I was lucky to get. To be able to get a little bit bigger than, I guess, than your quote-unquote average Filipino person or Filipino male, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, like um, it, it, it's uh, amusing that you You're mentioned above that. Average. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amusing you mentioned that because um, you know when, when you have uh, when you have parents who are of, of mixed uh, heritage, right, mixed races, um, it's always a, a fun little guessing game to see how they come out. Like, which genes do they get from mm-hmm. from which parents? So, like, uh, do you have multiple siblings as well? Yes, I have an older brother and a younger brother, younger sister. So among uh, among all of you, uh, which ones look most Filipino and which ones look more Irish? Um, I, I don't know. Like, um, I mean, I hate that. I'm just like stereotyping now, but like, I think like uh, I think my sister got the the Filipino nose. Okay. from my mom, um, she definitely got my mom's height, my the Filipino height, because my sister's tiny. Uh huh. Um, I think my bro- my younger brother got. My older brother, uh, I said we have a different dad, but with the same moms. Okay. Okay. Um, so I think he looks more Filip- or he looked more Filipino than than the rest of us. Wow. So. Considering you look pretty Filipino as well. 
Do I? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, you, you can walk around yeah, and yeah. you just look like... Uh, you, you blend in. Yeah, you look like a bodybuilder. Locally. I don't know, because like, we... Uh, I mean, uh, I'll tell you... Is there a story? I got in trouble for saying... Uh, where we ate in this morning on the on the radio show. So no, that's wanna... fine. That's fine. Oh, so we can say yeah, 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 yeah. So we we ate at uh, we went to the, do the radio thing this morning, yeah. um, and then we went to uh, but we got there a little early. So I was like, oh man, I'm hungry. So there was a Jollibee hey, in the in the, yeah. in the lobby, and I ate there, and I was like, I walked in, I was like, oh man, I feel like people are just looking at me. Like, oh, who's this big guy? Yeah. Like, because guys, <laughs> no, no, no. It's just big guys don't come through there. They're on the other side where the anytime fitness is. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no. So there's that. And yeah. I think it's because of the size and the bulk, and not necessarily because of the skin color or oh, whatever. Okay. But I was like, yeah, I was definitely like, I felt a little. I mean, not, not like super bad, but I was just like, I think someone's looking at me. But <laughs> but don't people uh, uh, look at you the same way in the U.S. Like, cause nah, not really. Uh, no, okay. I don't think so. Even if uh, you're you're that bulky or. Like with, no. with your look as a wrestler, I don't. I don't think so. Like I know, like a uh, well, it's like a funny. So you guys ever seen like the Jimmy Seafood? Are you guys aware? Yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like I love Jimmy Seafood. They have great. I mean, this is a cheap plug, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a. It's not a free plug because like you know. Anyway, so but he loves wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sponsors. He sponsors dinners. Like, yeah, when you run through right. Yeah, yeah. So I I love going there, and he's a huh. great dude. Anyway, so yeah. uh, it's a family-owned business. Probably the best seafood I've had. Steaks are amazing. Everything's amazing. Their meal prep is Jimmy beautiful. Anywho, so he you, sometimes he'll give us like you know free shirts or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. He gave this one shirt to me. Um, it was like a t-shirt hoodie okay, and a Jimmy okay. Seafood. I was in LAX and I was like wandering around and I see the Miz. And I'm like, oh shit, it's the Miz. But I, I I don't know the Miz. Like I know I know a bunch of the guys in WWE. I. The Miz is not one because he he wasn't on the Indies. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't really know him. So I didn't want to go up to him. Hey man, you're the Miz. What's up, man? So I, just, I just saw him from afar. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I just went back to ordering whatever I was was eating. And I sat down to eat, and I got a message uh, from Jimmy Seafood. Wow. The owner. He's like, hey man, are you in LAX? I'm like, yeah. Are you? And I I literally put my phone down. I was looking around. I was like, Jimmy. Are Are you here? I'm in the food court. And he's like, No, the Miz just texted me. He's like, Who this big motherfucker with your with your shirt that I thought you only gave to me? And I'm like, Oh, wow. so. Yeah, I'm just a big motherfucker. <laughs> so. Here's a question: um, Is there a um, is, is there still a stigma among uh, guys in the indies towards guys who were strictly WWE trained? Is um, is there such a stigma? Is there a thing? Yes, yeah, I don't think I don't think there is because uh, like I feel like for the guys that like I feel there's more. I mean, if you if you okay, I don't want to make it seem like I'm crapping on certain people, but that didn't do the indies. But like if you look at WWE guys that have been produced that didn't come from the indies, yeah, the strictly WWE guys, yeah, yeah, like there were strictly WWE guys. They don't have a long career, but you look or. Like they they quit they leave whatever, but then you look at guys like you you look at the roster now who's on top, Seth Rollins, yeah. uh, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, uh, Samoa Joe, ROH legends basically. Yeah, so th- these are all the guys that have cut cut their teeth through the business where they're on the indies. Yep. They're driving four or five hours to one show to drive four or five hours to another show and so on and so on. Like there's that I feel like you when you're on the indies you develop this this passion for wrestling like to that you want to succeed and you want to do it 
and that's not to say the same thing about people who are only WWE trained because guys like Roman Reigns, who didn't come up through the indies, but he has a family legacy of it. And I feel like maybe he's, he, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't do that part of the business, mm -hmm. but he's still doing the, that part of the business to an extent because the WWE schedule is not exactly, you know, one day a week. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, he's doing like, he's doing like, so, I mean, I hate to like, I'm not trying to pick on Roman Reigns, but like, we use him as an example. Like, yeah, he didn't come up through the indie scene, but he's doing the same grinds that we've been doing on the indies, just on a bigger stage, uh, bigger stage on a bigger scale, where he's doing Monday Night Raw, and then well, when SmackDown was on Tuesdays, he I he'd probably have to do SmackDown sometimes. Yeah, and then you know he'd have a day or two off, and then he'd still have to do the house shows, and then the, the media, the media, and the appearances, and all that. You know what I'm saying? So like, someone like yeah, too. so someone like him is cool. Someone like John Cena is cool. Like I get like. Like I have more of an appreciation for WWE wrestlers because they have a they have I mean people just think it's like an easy no it's not an easy schedule it's a tough schedule as well so like I don't think there's a like I I personally don't have a stigma towards WWE trained only wrestlers mm -hmm. um, you know they're they're doing the same grind as we are right right um, what are your thoughts then on uh, wrestlers who are hybrid hybrid st hybrid style like super heavyweights who fly people like Keith Lee mm. or people like uh, Dijakovic um, I don't know so a part of me like so a part of me doesn't like it and then a part of me likes it because uh, the part of me that doesn't like it is because like you know you're taking away from the guys like Ray Mysterio and all that um, you, there's a good saying that like, just because you can doesn't mean you should mm -hmm. yeah. and I get that but then on the same side, on the same aspect too, is like there was a clip where me and Keith Lee did a, a lucha spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we've seen. That so I think one. it's like a case by case basis. But it's like I don't know. Like I'm kind of on the fence on those kind of things. Like mm -hmm. a part of me is like no, 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 and then a part of me is like yeah, whatever. I mean, the no, no, no bit probably has to come from an old school mentality. Yeah. So again, that's why I'm on the fence on certain things, and I and I never go on Twitter and say anything about that because Twitter is such a it's a crazy uh, place. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a. And whole it can crazy. unravel real yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, for example, like okay, I did Chris Jericho's podcast, um, and then when I did the, he started recording. We were talking about why I like his podcast more than certain other people's. Yeah, and it's because he's not just doing wrestlers, like which I like the stories about wrestlers, yeah. but he's also doing like musicians mm -hmm. and. And other kind of people. And then the one that I really liked was whenever he has conspiracy theories on. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, those and, get trippy. Yeah, and I like it. So I'm over there, th like, talking to him about yeah. it. I was like, yeah, the one you had with the Flat Earth guy, it was cool. <laughs> like, No, okay, I never once said that I was a Flat Earther. I remember this. I remember this. This was a thing. Never yeah. once said I'm a Flat Earther. Um, do I know the Earth is flat? I don't know. Do I know the Earth is round? I'm going off what other people say. I'm not. I'm not here nor there. But then people were starting to bash me online for being a flat earther. Wow. <laughs> I was like, number one, I never once said I was. I just said they made valid points. Like, these, you know, who's to say? Nobody knows. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got everybody's got opinions. I'm not gonna shit on you because you have a different opinion than me. Like, we could use that same argument, the people at Flat Earth, about religion. Mm -hmm. That's true. Like, That's but true. Um, am I going to shit on you because you're a Buddhist or you're a Mormon or you're a Jewish? Like, no, I, I don't care. Like, as long as it's not negatively affecting me in a physical, monetary way, I could care less. And if you believe that and you enjoy it, have at it, you know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a party pooper, man. Yeah. So the, to say, well, that's kind of going off a little bit. But like again, just be like, even if I was a flat earther, would that 
and how how am I affecting you? Mm-hmm. Really, but again, I'm not a flat earther. <laughs> no, let's make that clear. For the record. that clear. The yeah, not allegedly, but confirmed. Yeah, not Jeff a flat Cobb. earther. Jeff Cobb, not a flat earther. I'm just like Peter Versosa. <laughs> oh damn. So, yeah. Okay, but but let's make that the title of the episode. Jeff, Jeff Cobb, Cobb is not, not a flat, a flat earther. earther. Yeah, sure. Let's sure. go with that. Let's go with that. Sure, sure. Um, going off of that point, social media, it's really changed the game for wrestlers. Because yes. it's the yeah. primary tool that you guys use to brand yourselves, to market uh, market yourselves. And how, um, how influential has it really been compared to when you started? Because when you started, it was just um, starting to ascend. It was in its infancy. Yeah, it yeah. was in its infancy. Yeah, um, I think, uh, I mean... Social media is such a huge tool because you can, again, case in point is, you know, like how I got here was essentially because it started off in that platform and then it snowballed to where it is today. Um, The social media, I like to use it for good. Like, I'm not going to go on there and bash somebody or like, yeah, oh my gosh, stop it, people. Just just go on there and be nice and be have have fun. Be good like, people. Yeah, guys. I could be good people. Dagnabbit. Yeah, it was World Mental Health Day yesterday. Be kind. Yeah. So like I it's definitely a huge tool. Uh because you can promote something where people all over the world can see. Like somebody in Iraq could look up the hashtag Ring of Honor or ROH and see this whole new world or wrestling or pro wrestling. Yeah. And see this whole new world that maybe this kid in, in Iraq can't come to the w or to watch a wwe show or i don't know if you can go to saudi arabia or not but <laughs> Yo, oh boy but, but that's, another, that's, that's a different kind of word yes. so but um, you know what i'm saying like you you reach a whole new audience and you don't have to get off your couch yep yeah. so i think with social media if you use it for good it's good all right. Um, I do want to ask, just because you're you're one of the the guys who has signed with Suplex. Mm-hmm. You you wear it so well. You wear it so well, and you use that that aspect of the platform on social media enough. And they use you a lot to promote. How's your? How do you feel about like having another brand cover your that merch end of yours? Because like you, uh, if if I'm understanding this right, you don't put out too much of your own merch. It's all through Suplex right now, right? Uh, well, I, I try to find well, so yeah, because I'm not doing as much indies as I was, like as many dates, yeah, yeah. As, as many independent dates because I not I can't do American shows. Yeah, I I think my uh, my pro wrestling T site is kind of, I mean, it's kind of I didn't really put on the back burner because like Ring of Honor has merch. Yeah, um, and I can't really bring my merch to the Ring of Honor shows. Yeah, and because I don't do independent shows, like. I don't buy in bulk. Like I only usually buy like one or two designs when I go to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like I kind of slowed down on that aspect because Suplex does put out shirts of mine, um, and then Ring of Honor does as well. So it's like it's kind of I'm trying to find that balance. Um, like you know, whenever I put out a new shirt in Ring of on um, Processing Tees, I'll yeah. I'll pimp the shit out of it. Yeah. But up until then, like I. Like the main focus is the suplex brand and then the Ring of Honor uh, merchandise. Fine. Just I don't want to step on people's toes too much. Yeah, because it's like it's it's one of those things that you know when when you see independent guys like you go from you graduate from PWT and then you get to you know branded stuff with mm. suplex. It's it's kind of cool, man. It's yeah, I like it. Like it's suplex cool. is a great uh, great company. I remember. Um, yeah. I can't remember what year it was. I want to say it was like maybe like two or three years ago before I signed with suplex. I was at the merch table in England next to the owner of Suplex. Shout out to Joel. 
And I was like, bro, my whole moveset is suplexes. Like you are the suplex guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> but then like it, it's cool. It's a cool process because like he'll he'll do like a group text and be like, hey, we're thinking about bringing this person aboard, and it has to be a majority yes kind of thing. Hmm. So uh, that's that's cool about that. All right, all right. So let's just wind down a little bit. Sure, uh, we've sure. talked about um, all the different promotions you work with, NJPW, ROH, PWG. Um, you've been in the business for uh, like 10 years now, right? So is there any other big bucket list items left that you still feel yeah, you got to accomplish? Um, well, when I first started pro wrestling, um, it was pretty much like, I was like, WWE or bust. Right. Um, obviously, that's going to be one of those things where it's like you know wwe is wwe is the nba mm-hmm. yeah the nfl the mlb whatever they're the number one in that specific sport um you know i'm not gonna sit here and say i'll never go to wwe because you never know where life's gonna take you so um as of right now i'm happy not being there because mm-hmm. uh you know i can have the schedule and whatnot um i can make my own schedule. i can do something like this where I'm like, well, I'll just take a couple of weeks off and make mm-hmm. sure I do this one show and see my family. Yeah, you can't Whereas, do that if you're on SmackDown. Yeah, you can't do that because you got to be there Friday nights live. Yeah, so yeah, it um like I'm I'm loving what I'm doing now and I'm happy with what I'm doing right now. So, um you know I never know where the you know I mean spoiler alert like my, my contract's up in December. Yo oh, no. yo. So where am I gonna go? I don't know. Like okay. I have to weigh all the options out and you know like. Just I have to weigh everything out, right? And right. see what's most like at the end of the day, you got to look out for yourself, right? Like I don't want to sign somewhere because it's riding on my like. There's so many tangibles, like like a lot of my friends are went to AEW instead of WWE. Um, AEW is seen in Guam on TNT, mm-hmm. whereas you have to get the Honor Club for Ring of Honor to be seen in Guam, mm-hmm. and that's digital. Yeah. yeah. Uh, WWE seen in Guam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of people in Guam that haven't seen me wrestle. Like they just, you know, they don't want to go out of their way to access YouTube or, sure, sure. or a streaming service. They, they want to just see, see it on, it on TV. TV. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that, that plays into the factor of like, man, would I like to be seen more in, in, in a place that I grew up in and grad and graduated high school from and all that and represented in the Olympics, you know, um, Impact's not seen over there on TV. Ring of Honor's not seen over there on TV. Um, so you know, those are kind of fa- like things that play out as well. Like, so I I don't know. We'll see. All right, all right. That's fair. December guys. So December. the people in this room, as we wind down, the people in this room, um, as well as the fans who've bought tickets, already know of the gravity of tomorrow's show. But for yourself, can you address the few fans? who still haven't quite grasped how tomorrow's show is actually important. Like, What does this mean for the scene locally? What is the long-term impact for you? Um, I've, the long-term impact is only positive, I think. Um, like PWR, I feel, is doing, is doing steps to go above and beyond just being a regular independent show where they're, you know, they're trying to bring out the bells and whistles and I don't know if I'm the bell or the whistle. You're the big gun. Yeah, you're the big gun. Okay, sure. Well, big bell. Okay. So, like, I think with PWR, they're, you know, I I respect what they're doing. They're they're trying to bring quality wrestling to the Philippines. They're trying to make the Philippines a hotbed. Because I've seen certain areas blow up. Like, I remember when I first moved to California, and then England started blowing up. 
And then just recently, Australia started blowing up. So, like, I'm excited. Like, I hope the Philippines starts blowing up. And then, you know, you guys, because I know there's wrestling in, like, Singapore. Singapore, um, Malaysia. Malaysia. Yeah. So, like, it'll be it. cool. And it's, it's, it's not exactly a 13-hour plane ride there, right? It's not. So, it'll be cool that if tomorrow's show kind of has that snowball effect of a couple of years ago when when those, you know we're doing the little podcast mm-hmm. or skyping mm-hmm. our skype podcast if that can snowball into something bigger and help help build um way more eyes and just more like just having more more stuff in the philippines and if if we could be a small part of that that'd be great like and i think that is because at the same time it's like you know i mean we're someone on the level of like a TJP or to a smaller extent myself. I made it a like I can't speak for TJ, but for me personally, I made sure I was off for two weeks at least, right? To be able to be here. Yep. And I want to be here, and because I see what potentially can be in this region, and I think it's gonna. I I hope it blows up, and I think it will because uh, like I've only heard positive things about this show. So, you know, again, if it's a snowball effect, heck yeah. All right. Uh, one follow-up question. Yeah. Given everything that you've gone through so far with this scene, do you think you want to come back? Um, I'm going to have to channel my inner stone cold and go, oh, hell, yeah. All right. <laughs> That's a good, right. That's a That's good, really good impression. Yeah. That's a good impression, son. Uh, as a last question, how much longer do you see yourself competing in the ring? I told myself I was going to uh, retire at 40. Okay. But um, in my later years uh, is when I started blowing up. Yeah. So I'm like... You're 37, right? Yeah. So, uh, like, it, it really only started taking, like, to the point where I was doing this full-time, maybe 2006, uh, maybe, like, March of two, or February of 2017. All right. Is when I, like, just officially just said, I'm going to do wrestling full-time. Like, quit the day job. Yeah. Is, yeah. So I've only been doing this for two and a half years, and... Um, I don't know. Like I always told myself, forty, I want to retire. But then, you know, like the money's good now. So I can't. wait, what was your day job? Uh, I, I did a lot of like. So when I started wrestling in Hawaii, uh, I was working at a school, and then I was also doing personal training. Uh huh. Um, then when I moved to California, I just stayed in the school system, and then, yeah, and then I started, you know, getting a bigger name in wrestling. And I was like, you know what? I just took I took so much time off from work. I ran out of sick days and was cutting into my pay. And I was like, and I was dealing with a lot of bullshit from like the principal and all that. Like, yeah. The teachings in your blood, apparently, because your grandparents were teachers. Yeah, but I was just like, yeah, man, I can't deal with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> not right now. Not not when I'm making more money doing wrestling, like a couple times system. a week than than being in the school. And there's nothing wrong with being a teacher or anything like that. But it's just. Um, I, for me personally, like I wanted to follow my dream, yeah, and you know I could always go back to teaching. Mm-hmm. So totally respect that. And uh, with that, uh, we are just full uh, full throttle towards homecoming. Uh, Jeff, where can our listeners follow you on social media? Uh, so Facebook um, and Instagram, Jeff Gob. All right. Twitter, real Jeff Gob. All right. That easy. And then I also have those other things like. The Snapchats and stuff. I don't know how to do that stuff. <laughs> how about the merch? Where can people buy the Jeff Cobb merch? Oh, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. Just uh, go into the search tag or the search bar, Jeff Cobb. Um, 
for some reason, Jeff Hardy, Jeff Jarrett pops up. I'm neither one of them. <laughs> Clearly. I Clearly. am I am Jeff Cobb. That's J-E-F-F-C-O-B-B. And will you be bringing any of the Suplex Apparel or Pro Wrestling Tees merch tomorrow to Homecoming? I ha- so... When I ordered it, it didn't come in time. Oh. So oh. I still I have a couple like random shirts that I brought, like right. two different designs. So I have those two. Um, I also have like some eight by tens and uh, little micro ballers. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. um, yes, yes. And yeah, unfortunately, like the suplex thing. So it's funny because I always tell. Uh, uh, Joel from Suplex. I'm like, hey man, I am your only person in America, in the American region. Matt Riddle's there, but he can't wear his stuff on TV. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can wear Suplex. So you need to take care of me. Send me stuff. <laughs> People want Suplex gear. Yes, yeah, we do. We do. Yes, we do. That's exactly it, why I asked. It takes. It, it costs like fifty bucks for a T-shirt because the shipping from England to yes, America is ridiculous. Yes. So I'm like, listen, there's a there's a need and demand for it. But the only thing is. He 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 sells out so quick in 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 the UK that he can't like he prints a lot and then like I was there one weekend where he printed like these New Japan jackets because they have a collaboration. Ooh, those, those, I've those seen are nice. those. Those, those, were nice. those are those yeah. are dope. Yeah. And I said, save me a two X. He's like, all right, cool. But I have to I have to sell these at the show. All right, cool. First night he was out. I'm like, I hate you. I hate you. So I'm like, you know what? At the end of the weekend, whatever you have left over, I'll take back to America and I'll sell. I, I went back from that weekend to America with, like, three hats and, like, four T-shirts. Wow. <laughs> so I said, you know what? This is rough. What a loot bag. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, I, you know, but then the first show I had, and I put that on the, on the merch table, they sold out. Boom. So I was like, you know, there's a big demand in the merch. So, you know, we're working together about possibly trying to figure out a way to get because he he's very meticulous about he he wants quality stuff. Yeah. He doesn't want like shitty t-shirts mm-hmm. and whatever. Like he wants quality gear. Like his suplex merch is like the t-shirts are quality, the hats are quality, jacks are quality. All everything he wants like he's like I want this, I want this. And, and it's great because that's a good business model. Mm-hmm. He wants quality over quant or yeah, quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, so um, I guess a fun little exercise for this Saturday, uh, at least for us backstage with Jeff Cobb, would be to time how fast his merch sells out. <laughs> I'm oh. going to be there for that. Well, <laughs> I, I want to see. You know, if, if the meet and greet, if the meet and greet um, guys don't buy it out first, I know, yeah, right? It's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank Probably you to everybody gone. who sold out or, or who bought out every single meet and greet ticket. Jeff, it was a pleasure for you uh, for for us to have you here. Thank you so much for making time for us. Thanks for uh, having time with me, man. Like thank it was you. cool. Like I felt bad for rambling on on certain no no, no it's all good stories. it's all good like no. sitting there like oh man this is rough <laughs> oh no no no, <laughs> no, no, no we're no. smiling ear to ear we love the stories we appreciate your company and uh, we can't wait to see you in the ring at PWR Homecoming thanks Jeff heck yeah Thanks again to Jeff Cobb for joining us for this special bonus episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. He wants you to know he is not a flat earther. Glad that that's clear. Glad that that has been settled on the record. And thank you so much for always listening to us, for helping keep us on uh, whatever platform you're on. Uh, Special thanks our friends here at Podcast Network Asia who took a bet on us and for always helping us with the podcast. Their studios are located here at We Remote Coworking Philippines and you can check out their social network, uh, their social feed at facebook.com slash podcastnetwork.asia on Twitter give them a follow at podcastnetasia and on IG it is at podcastnetworkasia and the website it is up there www.podcastnetwork.asia 
As for the podcast, leave us a five-star rating, please. Those mean the world to us. Subscribe, leave a comment, use the power of social media, let people know that we exist because as it's been since day one in 2014, all the way till now and beyond, we are a podcast by the thinking Filipino wrestling fan for the thinking Filipino wrestling fan. And we can't wait to see everybody at PWR Special Homecoming and even after the show. If you're listening to this after the show, keep the conversation going. Use the hashtag PWR Homecoming. Thanks again to our producers, to Val and Babyface producer Ryan. Thanks to Ro Camus Chino. Thanks to Four for bring, uh, being the driver for, uh, for this special bonus episode. Thanks to Jeff Cobb. And thank you. Catch you again on the other side on another episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. We're out of here.